Welcome back to the Spook Sisters. It is Monday, April 18th. I am Fran. And back always with me is my wonderful sister. DA up in the house. Uh, How you doing? I'm doing pretty good. I'm in a singing mood today. Oh, are we in a singing mood today? Yeah. I feel I like, like I d- wouldn't be on Broadway and do musicals, although Broadway. I would never do that in front of so many people. But when I'm by myself, I feel like I'm in front of a Broadway crowd. So. I love that. I love that. Well, we're see. We're going to see what you're going to sing along with today. I can't wait because any time that someone brings up a, what is it, a phrase or something, I'm like, oh, music. Music. <laughs> I know what that's from. I love that. How... Is everything else? Um, everything's going good. I don't have any complaints. Work is stressful, but work's always stressful. Going through it, working through it. Work is always stressful. Yeah. Always. But other than that, I mean, doing good. Um, went roller skating. Yes, we did. Girl, I was so proud of myself. As I said before, girl, I didn't. I didn't fall down after not being on skates for a minute. Mm-hmm. I, it was just like, oh. Okay, I don't look We're awkward. right back where we left off. Ooh, I was excited. So, Good. yeah. I'm excited for the progression. Progression, we love it around here. We love progression here. Well, I have uh, nothing really, anything crazy town new in my life, as always. Um, you know, pretty standard. But the story that I have for you this week, mm-hmm. it wasn't what I originally planned to share. I was, I had originally dived into some other research that i was interested in okay and then this story just found me i didn't find it oh this is gonna be a good one then yeah i was really shocked so i was just sitting there right oh sitting there what was you doing i was watching a little bit of drag race oh don't we love drag yeah i was watching drag race and a commercial came up for this new show coming out in May on Hulu called Candy. Okay. And it's based on a true life murder that happened. Mm-hmm. And obviously, you know the rest. You know, when they read, like when they, when they film, like they, re- oh, they like re- recreate, re- yeah, recreate. Yeah, recreate and re-dramatize everything. Correct. So that outside of that, but it got me interested in what the, the storyline was, what, what true story was it. And it is the murder of Betty Gore. Okay. Let's hear about this. This sounds amazing. It's quite interesting. I'm actually really excited for this show. Okay. It comes out on May 8th. Well, you know it comes out May 20th. Is it what you just told me about the uh, today? Was it today or was it yesterday? I think it was today or yesterday. Either way, it was. We both talked about it yesterday uh, and today. Is this what we just talked about in the car? The the drag. Yes, uh, yeah, all mm-hmm. stars. Yes, solid. Contain yourself. I'm trying to every time I think. This is so excited! Pal- <laughs> super palpitation. So excited! I love it. Well, we'll be watching it. <laughs> the show. I love you. I love you. All right, let's get started. The year is 1979. Oh, snizzer snapper rapper juice just to the turn of the 80s. So wonderful, so nice. And this takes place in Lucas, Texas. Oh, Lucas, Texas. All right. Is a 
is still a relatively small town, mm-hmm. just being discovered by the wealthier executives of Texas Instruments who were looking to settle outside the booming city limits of Dallas. Well, Texas Instruments did calculators and every, you know, they, if you didn't have like calculator or, you know, like Texas Instrument was just like kind of the thing back in the day. So in the 70s and 80s, it was kind of like if you didn't, it was almost kind of like having a an electronic device today for social oh, yeah. media. You know for what I sure. mean? I agree with that. Yeah. Uh, each day as the men head off to their jobs, the women are left behind to tend the children and the numerous mundane duties which keep the home fires burning. <laughs> home, home on the range. These women are bored. Yes. Play dates, swimming lessons at the Y, and gossip with another housewives are the highlight of their day. Oh, What's geez. the tea? T- yeah. What's the shade? Most of the residents attend Lucas Methodist Church, and staying active in church activities gives them one more thing to do. The yearly vacation Bible school serves as a break to their ordinary lives and gives kids something to do indoors during the hot Texas summers while their mothers chatter about potty training, their husband's latest promotions, and the upcoming presidential election. Absolutely not. Yes, indeed, they are bored, and one of them is about to break free of it all. Yeah, absolutely not. If I have to talk, no, no. About my, why would I talk about my husband's promotions? No. I'm, what? I guess that's all you had to talk about back then. That's like really kind I mean, you wow. weren't really doing much. You were talking about your kids. You were talking about your husband. You were talking about politics. I mean, that's really... What was, I guess, the well, generalized category of ca- topics to talk about? Yeah, I talk about politics. Not on this show, though. <laughs> we don't do that here. No, not that kind of place. No. Mm-mm. So, we're moving on and introducing Miss Candy Montgomery. Candy. Candy Wheeler was quite the prima donna as a child. She knew what she wanted and did whatever it took to get it. Much didn't change when Candy grew up. Always the independent spirit, Candy moved out out on her own after high school. And although she worked, she dreamed of being a full-time mom and wife. She just hadn't found the right man. Oh, jeez. So she strived for this. I mean, I guess that's what she did. I mean, that's what it was set up to be then. I guess. Candy dated, even had a few sexual encounters. Ooh, promiscuous. But none of them were what she was looking for. The man she intended to marry would be wealthy. That was her first and most ardent role. Okay. The first time she laid eyes on Pat Montgomery, she wasn't too happy. She found him too introverted and not very handsome, but Pat was destined to be wealthy someday. So Candy gave it another chance. (laughs) It looks like he might be wealthy, so let's give it a go. Potentially. When Pat proposed to Candy, she decided it was uh, as close as to what she was. Oh, my goodness. Let me just rewind my tongue there. She decided it was as close to what she wanted that she was to get anytime soon. And so she agreed. All right. She said, eh, I'll, I'll take it. Not quite yet of the upper financial class, the couple had a small wedding followed by a fairly inex- inexpensive honeymoon. By 1979, Pat was earning a good income at Texas Instruments. 
The couple had a son and a daughter, and they had purchased their dream home in Lucas, Texas, not too far from the estate made famous by the Dallas television show popular of the time. Oh, gosh, why do I know that? I don't know. (laughs) To outsiders looking in, Candy Montgomery appeared to have it all. The perfect life. The perfect life. But Candy was bored, and she needed something more. (laughs) Terrible. Yeah. Bad things happen to people when they're bored. To housewives who get bored. Yeah. Yeah. And now we're going to introduce Alan and Betty Gore. Okay. Alan Gore wasn't a handsome man, neither was he unattractive. Unattractive. Average is the adjective most suitable to Alan. 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 (laughs) And his personality wasn't exactly that of an introvert, but he was reserved. Okay. During the early years of their marriage, Alan gained decent employment in the telecommunications field while his new bride, Betty Pomeroy Gore, was employed as a grammar school teacher. Okay. When so the, she did a little something something. Oh, yeah. When the couple's first child arrived, however, the Gores would become a one-income home. Oh. After their daughter was born, Betty could never seem to regain a sense of happiness. Visiting her doctor frequently, she learned it was most likely postpartum depression, PPD. Not much was known about PPD in the 70s, so her doctor usually just sent her on her way, or sometimes with a prescription for Valium, sometimes not. You can sometimes be on this, but not all the time. Not all the time. When Alan and Betty's second daughter was born, things only got worse for Betty. She had retreated almost completely within herself. Marital relations between the couple were practically non-existent. Hmm. Alan was at a loss. Doctors said she would get better, but she didn't. What was a man to do? (laughs) I don't know. Mm -mm. So Candy Montgomery decided an affair was in order. Hmm. An affair would give her something to look forward to, breathe fresh life into a stale marriage, and help her feel sexy and wanted. Okay. But where to start? Candy wasn't sure, but she'd figure it out. During one of the weekly volleyball games hosted by the church, Candy noticed Alan. Alan. At church. Mm. It wasn't like they didn't know one another. Their daughters were friends. And Candy considered his wife a friend, but she'd never noticed Alan in that way before. Mm -hmm. What made it different now? The fact that she was on the prowl. Yeah. (laughs) Following a couple of weeks of flirting, Candy got straight to the point. She asked Alan if he'd be interested in having an affair, no strings attached, and no I love yous or plans of divorcing their spouses. Just plain old... Good old time from time to time. Oh, we just want to get into the business. Mm-hmm. A little freak in the sheets. Yeah. Although Alan may have been stunned at first, it didn't take him long to agree. Go figure. Candy and Alan began sneaking away for lunchtime meetups. <laughs> At some of Dallas's less than desirable motels. Ew. Who else has been on those sheets? Ew. 
Candy was passionate about the weekly gatherings. She felt more alive than she ever had. Each day they planned to meet, she lovingly prepared a delicious lunch and made sure her lingerie was clean and pressed. Gross me out. What was so wrong felt so good. Oh, of course it does. All the time. Oh, geez. So Mm -hmm. lovely. For the next few months, her affair was all Candy could think about. She even got brave enough to confide in a few friends without naming names, of course. Of course not. Then Candy suddenly realized that it just wasn't as thrilling anymore. It had lost its spark and she was ready to find a new lover to reignite the flame. Oh, gee, she just wants to keep on with the moon moves. Okay. But I did also do some separate research on that. It also came about that Alan and Betty had gone and done some type of marriage counseling. Okay. Uh, almost like in a re- like a retreat of sorts. Mm-hmm. And it was said that they basically fell back in love with each other. And that was around the time that he also said to Candy that he'd like to stop the affair. Okay. So he and her mutually agreed to put that affair to rest. Yeah, put the affair to rest. Okay. Moving on to a bit of confrontation. Okay. Dun, dun, dun. Elisa Gore wanted to spend the night with the Montgomery kids. They were going to the drive-in theater to see Star Wars, and the little girl didn't want to miss out on the country's hottest movie. It was the week of vacation Bible school, and everyone was busy keeping the children entertained. Betty Gore wasn't there, but that wasn't so unusual. And since Alyssa had spent the previous evening with the Montgomerys, Candy had brought Alyssa with her. Candy attempted to call Betty a couple of times to ask about Alyssa spending an additional night with them. She didn't think much about it. Betty did have a new baby to tend to. It was June 1980, just a few days before Father's Day, and Candy had some errands to run. So she decided that she would stop by the Gore home to get permission for Alyssa to spend the night. Upon her arrival at Betty's home, Candy would be surprised to learn that Betty had discovered the affair between her and Alan. Mm. At first, Candy tried to deny it, but when she presented with cards and letters to had given to Alan, she knew she was caught. She tried unsuccessfully to tell Betty that the affair was over, but Betty wasn't convinced. Nobody was going to take her, man. Nobody. But I also, again, in my other research, so this is where it kind of draws me kind of funky. Um, Candy went to Betty's home from her statement. It said that she went to their home in order to actually pick up a bathing suit for Alyssa. And they were to go swimming in the later in the day. So mm, I... I'm going to go with what was said in her statement, which yeah. is she wanted to pick up a bathing suit. But this isn't far from yeah. the tree. No. A deadly discovery. <laughs> dun, dun, dun. Alan had left town just hours before Candy made the fateful visit to his home. Over Betty's objects, Alan went on business trip. His company gave him no choice, even with the anxiety he knew Betty was feeling about it. A few hours after arriving his work destination, Alan attempted to call Betty but received no answer. He would make several more calls for the next few hours, never receiving an answer. I also got more information on that, that 
he would frequently go on business trips. And so he and Betty had a quite a tight system on, hey, I'll call you when I get to this place, you know, checkpoints yeah. just because they didn't have cell phones. Yeah. So her not answering really is what struck this man. Okay. He began to call the neighbor and asked them to go check on Betty and the girls. Alan also called Candy Montgomery, who advised him that Alyssa was staying the night with her. She also told him she'd seen Betty around 10 o'clock that morning and everything appeared fine. Neighbors had visited and reported back to Alan that everything seemed normal, but as afternoon turned to evening, Gore became more insistent that those same neighbors return and check again. Dun, dun, dun. Neighbor Richard Parker returned to the Gore home with two other men. This time, they tried the front door and found it unlocked. Richard was immediately drawn to the whimpers of baby Bethany, where they found her in her room, dehydrated and weighted down with a soiled diaper. Oh. My mouth was dry. <laughs> ah, you, need it. you were dehydrated too. So, realizing something was terribly wrong, the men eased through the rest of the house through a door standing partially open. They spotted Betty Gore. She was soaked in blood, her face so disfigured she was barely identifiable. He, she beat that woman. Who killed Betty? Yeah, who killed Betty? We know who killed it was Betty. Obvious it was Betty obvious Betty had been murdered. Murdered. She's dead. Murder of this magnitude didn't occur in Lucas, Texas. That's blasphemy. Citizens were frightened, locksmiths were working overtime, and the local gun dealers couldn't help keep enough stock to meet the demands. <laughs> I need my locks changed. But that's what happened at the, actually at the gun ranges when, um, what is it, COVID came, mm -hmm. the election, all of it. It just it happens like that regularly. People just get spooked. Like, um, I need all of this now. Thank you. Yeah. Ammunition goes up to like a thousand dollars a box. <laughs> it's yeah, awful. It is awful. Although it would be a frightening thought, police wanted to believe a transient was responsible, but no forced entry said otherwise. The alternative was to point the finger at one of their own. An even more terrifying prospect, the investigation would have to be handled delicately and by the book. Investigators were a tad put off by Alan's subdued demeanor during questioning. His wife had just been murdered, but he exhibited none of the emotions typical of a recent widower by a violent crime. He's partying. Sadness, anger, and a demand for the case to be solved. No, Alan Gore was a man of few words. You think he did it? He knew who did it. I don't know. I don't know. You're going to just have to find out police can do who do you think did it well i mean i don't know we'll have to hear the story i want to say now that you're saying he's been just kind of chill about it and not been yeah but he was really worried that there wasn't any communication between them right but now he's like eh. yeah and he did but he left that same morning you know right before oh. so he was the last one, quote unquote, to see her alive, technically. He did it. Police continued their investigation, 
questioning friends, relatives, and keeping their ear close to the ground for any gossip. One of the people they talked with was Candy Montgomery. In the meantime, facts were coming to light, such as the killer showed the following the murder and a rubber sandal print had been discovered near the body. Mm. Although Alan had answered no to the question about extramarital affair, he called investigators back later and confessed to having a past affair with Candy Montgomery. And the plot thickens. Concha. Mm -hmm. Was eating him alive. Exactly. It was a startling revelation, and it sent the investigation in a new direction. Police wanted to question Candy again, as previously she'd made no mention of her affair with Alan. Before returning to the police station for more questioning, Candy retained the services of a fellow church member and a defense attorney, Don Crowder. Despite her insistence, Betty was alive when she saw her earlier that day. Police had quite a bit of evidence to prove Candy's guilt. So she did it. Yes. Mm. Candy was arrested. And charged. Most citizens of Lucas were relieved, while others were shocked and horrified at the killer's identity. (sighs) Going into the trial and shocking verdict, Pat stood staunchly by his wife throughout her trial, which was quite a spectacle. Don Crowder was experienced in civil litigation and broke every rule in the book defending his criminal client, leaving many to wonder if Candy had made a good choice of an attorney. It turned out to be the best decision she'd ever made. When it came time for Candy to testify, she shocked court watchers with a tale of being confronted by Betty about her affair with Alan. Candy tried to reassure Betty the affair was long over, but Betty refused to accept it. Candy said Betty then came at her with an axe, explaining the deep cut on her toe seen by others on the murderous day in question. Mm -hmm. Outraged at being attacked, Candy claimed she grabbed that axe and began hitting Betty over and over and over. 41 times total. There you go. She hit her until Betty was down. It was then Candy said Betty did a very odd thing. She whispered, shh, just before she died. In a panic, Candy showered, fully clothed, trying to remove the blood and gore from her skin and clothing in Betty's home, mind you. She then rushed home, changed clothes, tossing the still-blooded outfit into her own washer, and she immediately returned to the church to finish the Bible school activities. That would not happen nowadays with the DNA and everything else. No. It was a riveting tale of self-defense, but most in attendance didn't believe the jury would buy it. After all, why didn't Candy just leave after taking the axe away from Betty? If it was really self-defense, why didn't she call for help afterward instead of running away, hiding evidence, and leaving a helpless baby alone in a house without proper care? Right. Mm. Spectators were wrong in their assumptions as they learned when the jury returned with a not guilty verdict. (laughs) 
Candy and Pat left the courthouse to shouts of murderer. I'm surprised that she's not in the witness protection program. Mm. Many in the community refused to believe Candy Montgomery's tale of self-defense and believe she got away with cold-blooded murder. She did. Candy had testified being confronted with her proof of the affair, but a handwritten letter written by Betty to her parents just days before her murder mentions her good friend Candy Montgomery. And Alan Gore said his wife never confronted him with the affair or gave any indication of knowing the morning of his departure. More than 30 years later, many people believe Candy attacked Betty in a fit of jealousy. Sadly, no one will ever know for certain. That's right. She got off. Mm-hmm. Uh, a couple years passed. Pat and Candy remained together after the trial, selling their house and moved to the East Georgia or east to Georgia. It was only temporary, however, as the couple eventually divorced. Bye. Um, Candy lives in Georgia and now goes by her maiden name of Candace Wheeler and works alongside her daughter Jenny as a mental health therapist to teens and adults suffering from depression. Never in a million years. That's ironic. Yeah. <laughs> Never. No. Um, Mm-mm. No. Alan had remarried during the time between his wife's death and Candy's trial. <laughs> he was messing around big time. For sure. Despite his remarriage, Alan lost custody of his girls to his former in-laws and soon became estranged from them. Although recent sightings on Facebook show that a relationship between father and daughters may have been reestablished as of late. Candy's attorney, Don Crowder, who won a shocking verdict despite public opinion, committed suicide in 1999. Oh, that's interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and that's personal. Thank you for that. That's a good story. That was it. Yeah, that is it. The daughter, Elisa Gore, now known as Lisa Harder, is married to a successful building contractor, she has two sons, and they live together in Newton, Kansas. Bethany Gore, the baby that they mm-hmm. found, uh, got married in 2012 and became known as Mrs. Chad Mickey. The couple resides in Las Vegas. Mm. And that's it. That's it. So at least the girls grew up and did yeah. their own lives. They did. They did doing well for themselves. Progression. Progression. We like that around here. And that's that. But the fact that this is going to be based on, like, there's a show coming out for this. I'm excited really, for that. I can't wait to see the show. I know you and your mom are really going to watch that. Yeah, for sure. it's going to be good stuff. I'm mm-hmm. excited. So thank you for that. I appreciate you. You're welcome. And for anybody else that's listening. Yeah. It's on Hulu, May 9th. It's called Candy. 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 Candyman, I know the Candyman can. All right. I'm excited for Wednesday. Yay. Come back and listen to us on Wednesday for travel time with DA. And Fran, we got a whole bunch of stuff we're going to be seeing, talking about. Yeah. I'm excited. Yeah. Are we taking the train again? Yes. Awesome. All right. All right. Well. Make sure you give us a like, share, follow, subscribe, leave us a comment, and tell us what you think. As always, we We are are the Spook Sisters. Sisters.